Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this Monday episode. We are talking to Suzanne Schmidt today. She is the 4th District State Representative. There are bills that are being proposed already that our legislature will be looking at as soon as the legislative session opens up here in the next few weeks. It's just around the corner here, uh, middle of January. The session begins and they're going to start making decisions that affect all of us in our property rights, our taxation, firearm freedoms, all sorts of different things. So we got to stay in contact with those representatives. Today we're going to be talking again, Suzanne Schmidt, and uh, we'll do that after some inspiration. Our inspiration today is talking about Legacy of Friends. I met him in the 1970s when I was a high school English teacher and a basketball coach, and he was a tall, gangly freshman. Soon he was on my basketball team and in my classes, and a friendship was formed. This same friend who had served with me as a fellow editor for many years stood before me at my retirement party and shared about the legacy of our long-standing friendship. What is it about friends connected by the love of God that encourages us and brings us closer to Jesus? The writer of Proverbs understood that friendship has two encouraging components. First, true friends give valuable advice, even if it's not easy to give or take. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, the writer explains. Second, a friend who is nearby and accessible is important in times of crisis. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. It's not good for us to fly solo in life. As Solomon noted, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. In life, we need to have friends, and we need to be friends. May God help us love one another with brotherly affection and carry each other's burdens, becoming the kind of friend that can encourage others and draw them closer to the love of Jesus. Heavenly Father, search our hearts regarding our friends. Help us to provide Christ-centered counsel to them and receive godly wisdom back from them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we need godly wisdom from our friends, and our friends should also be Uh, espousing those godly wisdoms to their state representatives and the legislative sessions coming up you should contact your state representative and discuss concerns and bills things that they're going to be working on this session and stay in contact with them and supporting legislation that you believe is common sense in our state house that and of course the senate as well today we're talking to a house member with suzanne schmidt and she's joined us in the studio so thanks for coming in yes thank you thank you for having me so you've got bills that you're already working on, mm-hmm. but um, I, I don't know that all the bills that legislators work on are specific to the committees they're in. So let's start off talking about the committees that you're on and, okay. and things you've kind of been working on. Some of these things, it's multi-year efforts. Um, yeah, so I am the ranking member on the Labor and Workplace Standards Committee, which falls right in line with my experience uh, from when I was the president CEO of Associated Builders and Contractors and also when I uh, worked with their workers' comp program, um, prevailing wage, overtime. So all of those uh, rules and regulations, all those RCWs and WACs actually go through the Labor Committee. So really uh, 
excited to be the ranking member, which means I'm the highest uh, Republican member on the committee. Our chair is uh, her chair, Representative Barry, uh, and I've already been meeting with her on a monthly basis talking about bills that we're going to run through that committee. So one of the bills that I will be dropping and running through that committee, and I, I didn't get it done last week because I had some changes I wanted to make to it at the last minutes. So, but it's, it's kind of a complicated thing, but there's, uh, it's an apprenticeship bill to help to remove some of the barriers from getting apprenticeships approved. So right now, the Washington, uh, Washington State Apprenticeship and Training Council is heavily seated by labor unions, and they are very competitive when it comes to allowing apprenticeship programs. Uh, so we hear in the, you know, we hear in the news or see, you know, on the radio or TV ads, you know, oh, you know, be an apprentice, you can earn while you learn. But there's actually barriers to that. And it's, it's not not as easy as you would think it's um, to get into an apprenticeship program or to get one approved so to be a, a program sponsor so I'm working on legislation that's going to really uh, clear some of those barriers up and and streamline the process I have been working with um, members across the aisle because this is something I you know I'm gonna get pushed back on oh probably so, but you're well versed in this and th- yeah. this is we're in a different environment than we were in five ten or fifteen years ago we we are in um, an environment where cost of living is up. People need to have better incomes. They need to hone their skills or get new skills through these apprenticeship programs. But we have the lowest participation rate since, I don't know, the last numbers I heard it was like 1947 or something crazy like that. So to get labor participation up, we need to reduce the barriers that maybe... There was good policy that was union organized in the past to try to make sure they had good professionals that, you know, electrical brotherhood or whatever thought was best. But we really need to start getting some of these folks off the couch, off the video games and into the workforce and and reduce those barriers so people don't just see this hill that they can't climb in attaining some kind of certi- certification. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we have a workforce shortage in every single industry. But, you know, what I looking at the construction industry, the trades, uh, the uh, manufacturing. I mean, it's really slowing down progress in our state because we just don't have the manpower or the workforce to get the work that we have um, done. I mean, a lot of the overages that we've had on the transportation budget are because we just weren't able to award that work. And so it waited, it sat on the sidelines until labor costs went up significantly, yeah. which increased the whole cost well, the labor of the project. Cost goes up, but if you don't have enough labor to complete a project timely, the longer the project sits there, equipment gets damaged or things get mm-hmm. stolen or uh, weather destroys part of the yes. project. So problem with some of these things are like, why didn't they get that fixed sooner? How come it took so long? Or, you know, why is it taking, you know, I got to wait two years for a contractor for something. Mm-hmm. And it's because we just have a labor shortage. Right, right. Like you ask anybody, can you get a plumber at your house? Yeah. You know, and how do my, how much money do plumbers make an hour? I mean, it's, and that's, you know, part of the problem is, is because we don't have the training available and they have to have certain training to be licensed in the state of Washington. Our licensing process is more stringent than most every other state and not just the trades, but, you know, in medical professionals, um, you know, pretty much any kind of industry, our licensing is very stringent. So anyway, I'm working on those, you know, really looking at, you know, where can I make changes and, um, you know, these can be big impacts for families too. I mean, people, we, you know, we talk about student loan debt and people going to college. 
these are jobs that if, if there was less restriction, people could move right into a career that's going to pay more than a lot of the, the college degree jobs mm -hmm. out there for these apprenticeships. And, yeah. you know, it can really impact a family if somebody sees a barrier reduced so they can get into an apprenticeship mm -hmm. and, you know, start paying their own bills. Right, right. And yeah. hopefully you're not going to get too much pushback. I mean, this is kind of one of one of the areas that I hold dear because mm -hmm. we have programs for high school students that may not do as well in the classroom, but they sure nail it when they are able to get their hands on and get into apprenticeship mm -hmm. type programs. And it affords them, maybe they don't come from a family that, you know, they would have the opportunity mm -hmm. to go to college, but boy, that really affords them to go ahead and provide for their future mm -hmm. family and make better choices and not get tangled up in some of the, some of the poor choices that they could be making. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, that's really my passion behind this. And that's really where mine started was, again, when I was when I was working and I was doing um, presentations at the high schools and the middle schools and elementary schools and getting kids fired up for this. And then what I found out, get them fired up to, you know, go to, to job, be let down, to be let yeah. down. Exactly. And when I found that out, I was really, that's really um, a passion that I'm just uh, really driven to open that up and make it make it easier uh, for them to get into the those professions. And just like you said, I mean, it's it, they're life altering, they can get into those, those career paths, and, you know, change, change their, you know, break the hold of poverty, if right. they've, you know, been in poverty, you know, generation after generation, it can really break that break that hold. So really significant work in there. And I do, I, w I think I'll get some pushback. But I also think that there's a lot of people that are looking at yes, this needs to happen, and we need to move forward. And so I feel pretty, pretty good about it. I have a lot of support already from from the trades and from different um, organizations. So I anticipate when I do have the hearing that I'll have a pretty good showing. There'll be quite a few people that will show up for that. So that's good. I think we're looking more and more at people being more understanding about being able to remove some of those educational barriers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I think that's a good step towards making sure that they're able mm -hmm. to make better choices. Well, and you want good regulation. You want the barriers to match what needs to be done for the individual, for the industry. But if you've got barriers that go beyond what's necessary, then they just block people from mm -hmm. a good income. And we're in a climate where we need more earners. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, when you're looking at the state budget, you need obviously the tax mm -hmm. revenue. People have to have a job for that tax revenue. But we also need to reduce the burden on other taxpayers mm -hmm. that are subsidizing folks that could be out there building a career mm -hmm. and, a, and a future for their family. So that that's one bill. It sounds mm -hmm. like that's going to be good. I know there's a lot of bills already mm -hmm. on the table. And uh, we talked to Leonard Christian about all these pre-filed bills that representatives across the state are already mm -hmm. working on. And so you're in some of those committees. Uh, what other committee appointments do you see that are going to be crucial this year? The other uh, committees um, that I'm on is also the post-secondary education workforce development. So those two really, the labor and the, and the workforce development go hand in hand. And then I'm also on the transportation transportation committee. So last year, you know, we pushed very, very hard to make sure that the North-South Freeway was back into the budget and that it could be completed um, as as scheduled. And I just traveled that new section uh -huh. that just opened up above Wellesley there. I just mm -hmm. saw the Wellesley interchange and, you know, I could say a lot of things about it, but I'm not going to say anything negative because I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, 
you know, I'm going to say exactly what my dad said. This might get done before I die. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yes, yes. So that's that's the hope and dream, that it's done before we die. So, um, but working on that and just other, you know, um, program, or not programs, but projects throughout the state, you know, transportation projects. So there's a lot. I've, you know, actually been touring this summer, went on a tour of uh, bridges uh, across the Columbia River, Uh, not just the big I-5 bridge, but there are several bridges that are, you know, they're 100 years old. So they need to be repaired. Well, and you got to keep this stuff going. I mean, and this is something you can work across the aisle. Environmentalist groups should be behind fixing the infrastructure because if a bridge can no longer be used and you got to drive 15 miles to another bridge or like the North South Freeway, I think it said just in initial (laughs) research, it was like a million gallons of fuel a year burned. Right. Idling. Idling. Yeah. In town. In town and stop Mm -hmm. signs. And Mm -hmm. then of course the damage to the local infrastructure, there's a huge cost there. So the, the environmental impact of having good infrastructure, I, I would think the people across the aisle would be yeah. uh, supportive yeah. of those things. Yeah, I think um, actually last last uh, session, and I believe this session as well, is we di- really did work as a bipartisan committee. I mean, we worked really well together, the Transportation Committee, and I, I anticipate that we will be working in the same manner, working really side by side. And, and you're right, those exactly why is because, you know, the things that... It, we do to move forward with the infrastructure really helps the environment. And so it also uh, helps working families afford the fuel to get to and from work. Yeah. (laughs) So that's, yeah, that's the thing. Um, yeah. (laughs) Well, and good stewardship Mm -hmm. of, because we're, we're all paying for this and and we want infrastructure that works. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if we can save a couple of gallons of gas every month, getting to and from work, which a lot of people will with some of these infrastructure projects, whether they're on the West side or, or here, it's just, a matter of representatives like yourself fighting for Eastern Washington's fair yes, share. Yes, and, and exactly. And that's really, I think, you know, I know that that's the focus that both uh, Representative Christian and I have uh, really, you know, um, Vols and uh, Graham, you know, in the 6th District, the 7th District, we're all, you know, looking at, we want to bring, you know, the fair share back to Eastern Washington because I think we've went a long time without our fair share. And so we're really working aggressively on, on bringing that back to our side of the state. That's great. Well, we all like to get to the radio studio and to work without our cars being damaged by those potholes or driving extra lengths because of infrastructure that's failed. So we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back with Suzanne Schmidt, 4th District State Representative. So don't go anywhere because we've got some other bills and things that are going to be impactful to our local area that we're going to talk about in just a moment. I'm dreaming of a wise Christmas. You know, whether we have a lot of snow or not, Right Spokane Perspective wants to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas with these words that Shannon has for you. Who can add to Christmas? The perfect motive is that God so loved the world. The perfect gift is that he gave his only son. The only requirement is to believe in him. The reward of faith is that you shall have everlasting life. The perfect quote from Corey Ten Boom. Thanks again from Right Spokane Perspective, and thank you, listeners who have supported us to keep us on the air by going to rightspokaneperspective.com and donating, or by sending those donations to Right Spokane Perspective LLC, PO Box seven six two zero nine nine two zero seven. Have a merry Christmas. 
And welcome back to our Monday episode here with Suzanne Schmidt. She is 4th District State Representative. We wanted to talk about those bills and things looking at state policy and and how we help out victims of natural disasters. Of course, that happens uh, around the country and also across the state. I remember there was a, an effort a few years back because of mudslides and, of course, with... Um, insurance and just some things are not foreseen in your local government or insurance and the the state government has to step up and make some changes or maybe fund some things so that people that are damaged by natural disaster can uh, maybe not be made whole again but at least have the resources that are available so that communities can can recover in the future so let's jump on into that conversation because i know that's a, a big thing for uh, some of the folks in your district this yeah. year. So, um, yeah, actually, Representative Vols out of the 6th District, so I'm in the 4th and he's 6th, we actually dropped a bill in the pre-filing for wildfire relief, and that's for the Elk, Washington area, or the Oregon Road area, and then Medical Lake. So Elk is in my district, and then uh, Medical Lake is in his district. So we work together on this. And what our bill would do is allow the people that lost their homes um, because of the wildfires to rebuild their homes based on the permits that they had in place when the fire occurred. Wow, because, that's profound. Yeah. That's, it, that's a profound change in the ability to rebuild your life in a timely manner. Yes, it is. And I mean, it, that's what we really, you know, after the wildfires and talking with folks, you know, in the Elk area and, and uh, Representative Bowles was talking about, in, um, you know, Medical Lake. And that was something that I want to say a big majority of those people had natural gas or propane. Some of the people in Elk, Washington are actually living off the grid. And so they had generators. And so they have generators with propane. And based on, so we have the Washington State Building Code Council, and they have been trying to eliminate natural gas as a heating source across the state. Um, I believe that it will go into effect March of 2024, that there will be no no new homes, residential homes or residential with, um, buildings that can be built with natural gas as a heating source. Which is incredible because if you look at the cost to heat a home yes. with electricity, uh, if you want to, you know, cover the world uh, around you in solar panels, that that's still not going to make a dent in in the cost of, of heating a home and running a household. So that infrastructure in some of these places might not even be there to, you know, for right. the grid to allow those communities to heat with electricity. That, that's exactly right. And I know that the, you know, the uh, Inland Power has, you know, they have customers in the uh, Elk and then Modern Electric. Um, and of course, a Vista were are very, um, I'd say, very encouraged by this bill because, yeah, they don't have the infrastructure right now to um, to have that much, you know, the elect- only electric heat. The only the other thing about it is that we've heard testimony after testimony and seen letter after letter go to the uh, state building code council that says that those electric heat pump heaters don't perform well under you know uh, temperatures of uh, under thirty degrees. Well. You know, we go under 30 degrees quite often. Well, there's this weird thing called winter here in the Northwest. And, you know, I know that maybe this council, many of them live on the other side of the iron. I mean, the Cascade Curtain. But it's not... (laughs) 
just because they don't have very many days that are under 30 degrees doesn't mean that the policies they're creating doesn't hurt the people that are on this side of the state that have uh, quite a few days under 30 yeah. degrees. And, you know, since I've lived in Spokane, I've been here for 26 years, and I know of at least two times that we, I mean, we've been out of electricity for, you know, a couple, you know, couple of days here and there but I know at least of two times that I know you know the ice storm in 96 I think and yeah. then the fire yeah the wind storm mm-hmm. right and we were out of electricity for like a week um, and our we have uh, natural gas uh, hot water and we have natural gas fireplace so we were able to stay in our home because we could use you know we didn't have the fan for the fireplace but we could certainly all sit in the family room together with the natural gas fireplace and then we had hot water so we were able to stay in our our home but that's what these people if they rebuild and they don't have a second source a backup source if their electricity is out for a week they have nothing well you're talking about natural disaster relief Uh, let's talk about future natural disaster relief because all those homes that only have electric heat the power goes out and guess what else happens your pipes freeze yeah yeah so yeah i mean that's what i think you know this is a safety hazard it really is is you know to to ban natural gas or any kind of backup heating heating source i think this is a good bill that takes us in that direction Mm -hmm. so this is a bill to lock in the building permits so that folks can use the utility infrastructure that they had previously before Mm -hmm. their uh, structures burned but but i think the the conversation is going to lead us right into maybe other bills that will come up in this session that allows people to use the most reasonable utilities available right Right. You know, I mean, if, if somebody lives in a place that's right next to the ocean that they almost never see freezing, heat pump yourself all you want, you know. Mm-hmm. But for folks that maybe live in the, the mountains of, of northeastern Spokane, right. I think they're going to want to make sure they can still install a wood stove for emergencies right. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's been, you know, a, there was a, a Supreme Court decision, or I think it was the Ninth District decision uh, from California saying that they couldn't, because California actually has already banned natural gas in in uh, residential homes and they've actually you know the the courts have said no you can't do that because people have the right to freedom and they have the right to exactly to really to uh, select a soy a source of heating that's reliable and safe well and it's a quality it's not just a quality of life issue it's also uh, a sustaining of life issue right. people freeze to death mm-hmm. I well, mean, in this Idaho, is the- it's considered a utility whether it's your wood stove your pellet stove or your your natural gas or, mm-hmm. or any other way. Well, it's you a heat. right. It's it, a right. It is. Idaho. It is your right to heat your homestead with yeah. whatever heat. Yeah, actually, you in, in Idaho, the reason why we know that is wood pellets. I had a conversation with with some folks. Mm-hmm. Wood pellets are not taxed in Idaho because mm-hmm. it's a heating it's a heat source. Okay. It, it sustains your life okay. in the winter. And and we got to think about some of those things. Yeah, it sounds great to get rid of natural gas. We got rid of coal, which. Mm-hmm really cleaned up the environment and now we've done these things with natural gas more and more people are going back to heating with wood which is not as good for our Mm -hmm. air quality so i think that they've they've made some drastic mistakes Mm -hmm. in some of these codes and i think that it's the legislature's obligation to you know do like you're doing and Mm -hmm. and start making reasonable attempts to write uh what your residents need and of course these 
people that need the wildfire relief. Uh, how many homes built? Do you know right offhand? I th- there was hundreds. Oh, I know there there was hundreds, and I I think it was I think with the combination of the two, it was well over three hundred. I think I'm thinking like three hundred and eighty some homes, but it was it was a significant amount of homes, or you know maybe it wasn't necessarily homes, but structures. And so I'm not sure of those numbers, but it was it's a significant amount, and they were people that um, again it was you know it immediately went to level three. Um, evacuation. So the people that I've talked to, um, when they left their home, they left without wallets, purses, prescriptions. Um, well, the wind know, was kind of, blowing. These right, fires right. just So it was like, get like out crazy. of here right this minute. Yeah. And so they didn't, you know, didn't get to grab anything. So there was a huge loss for them. Now they're looking at how we're going to rebuild. Build. And and of course, we just talked about the other committees you're on and the, uh, you know, apprenticeship programs. Mm-hmm. How do you get a contractor in there to build a house, right? right? It takes a while to get the permits. So this bill that you've got with hurrying up the mm-hmm. permit process by just going off existing permits, not just for their heating source, but let's get this house rebuilt right. for this family. There's also the long-term thing I'm thinking about in the resale values of their homes if they don't have adequate heating sources mm-hmm. because of those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's just, this is just, I think this legislation will be really helpful for those those people that are already really hurting. And it's, you know, that was my really, again, that was my motivation behind running this bill is what can I do to help these folks and to help them get back in homes as quickly as possible. The other thing is that the heating source going from the gas to the heat pumps is also, it's, you know, from what we hear from, you know, the HVAC pay people, it's anywhere from ten to $30,000 more. So that puts more cost on the homeowner to build, you know, when they do the rebuild to do. And that, the, that wasn't covered in the insurance. Correct. The, the yeah. insurance didn't say, well, well, we, you know, the cost to rebuild was a cost to rebuild. It wasn't a cost to re-engineer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that that's, I think that'll be hugely helpful mm-hmm. for those folks. And I think having this bill in place could also be helpful. I don't know how it's worded because I haven't read it yet, but I think it'll be helpful in people that suffer from other natural disasters, yeah. even if it's not a huge natural disaster like these fires, but just a personal disaster of your, you're losing mm-hmm. your home. Well, we did spell out the actual areas of these fires in the, in the bill, but that's, Kind of the the hope is that it will be expanded as we move forward because we're going to continue to have these natural disasters, whether they're you know fires or the mudslides, you know what, yeah earthquakes, um, you know when somebody loses their home uh, in just a couple of minutes, no you know no fault of their own. Yeah. I mean it's not because they want to replace that home. Well, and even if there's they, just one home that's destroyed right. by a tree falling on it, if it's not a whole bunch of homes, it'd be nice to see this bill expanded. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Especially since Western Washington just saw all the flooding going on because of Mm -hmm. all the rain we just got. Yes. There was there was some homes pretty severely damaged over there. Yeah. Just due to that. Yes. Yeah. I was over there when it was just it rained, you know, constantly for for days. And yeah, I saw that that there was a lot of floods and um, yeah, damage to homes. So yeah, so your furnace gets flooded and it needs to be replaced. Are you going to have to get a permit and now you no. can't replace it with the furnace that, that you had. Yeah. I, and I'm not sure on that part of it. It's, I know for a fact that if you want to rebuild, you have to be right now, you have to rebuild based on the permitting that's in right. place at right now. Right. So, and, yeah. and the so rebuild, the, the definition when you're looking at permitting and stuff, if you know, half your house is destroyed because a tree fell on it, 
well, is that a rebuild? Yeah. You know, so I think that this bill has a lot of promise, yeah. um, probably the way it's worded now, but also maybe for amendments mm -hmm. so that representatives of other districts that might not see a, a fire type situation like like we saw mm -hmm. here in Spokane area, but maybe other situations mm -hmm. to expand that bill to give people more freedom yeah. and ability to, to secure housing. All right. Any more uh, any more bills? Um, I, I have a couple more. One more that I want I wanted to mention is that I, I um, pre-filed with Representative Sam Lowe, and he's over in uh, Snohomish County. But what our bill is to preserve uh, seniority for folks that are rehired. So uh, state employees that are rehired, um, that they were let go because of COVID, COVID vaccines. They didn't uh, comply with the vaccine. And so now we are starting looking at rehiring, like, uh, you know, state trooper. Well, just any really public employee. And wow, so this is, uh, this to me, this is like you guys are having to step in because our state agencies aren't sticking up for their workers. They should have been rehired already. Right, right. And, and well, and I think that they would have rehired some. I, I mean, actually, I believe that's the goal. But the people that were let go aren't necessarily willing to come back because they are losing, you know, they lost seniority, they lost, and just the way that they were treated, you know, mm -hmm. because they had put, you know, lots of years and of their life and uh, loyalty into these. So uh, these rehires are not, they're not giving them. Right now they're not. And it, so this No experience is, points at all. No. Wow. So we're, that's, that's what the bill is, is uh, designed to do is give them that seniority back so that they're not going in on the ground floor. Yeah. That's, that's a huge thing. I think for someone that's probably in the middle of their career, they have to mm -hmm. leave a job because they're not willing to take a, a, a medication that's experimental mm -hmm. and um, and or it may have had health issues that obviously the, the mandate didn't carve out for people that had health issues. Right. Yeah, that's huge. Having to start over. Yeah. And uh, I think that's I, I again, I think you'll get support from the other side yeah. of the aisle on this one so that people can get back into their positions because yeah. that's we need plow truck drivers. That was right. a huge thing. We got we got winter coming. We, yeah. we should have made this decision a couple of years yep, ago. Right? Yep. We have, yeah, we have the plow truck uh, drivers. But the other, th you know, one of the things that's a big issue is the ferry, um, just not just the ferry captains, but everybody working on the Washington State ferries because they let a um, large percentage of those folks go and they were really highly special special trained yeah um and so they would like to because we still we are still in the hole basically with the with those employees and so we'd like to bring some of them back and so offering them that seniority um you know offering them to come back at the status that they were at i think yeah will be something that they'll like on both sides of the aisle i think fairness is important i think our state does too many things that are unfair as it is let's get some fairness back mm -hmm. into the equation especially when we have have shortages of services that taxpayers are paying for let's get some of those tra trained experienced mm -hmm. professionals back in there i appreciate your time and uh, we'll definitely have to have you back we had uh, leonard it sounds like we're going to be maybe hearing from you guys during the uh, session so mm -hmm. we'll get some points of view from representatives uh, you and leonard christian on bills moving through uh, the legislature and, and maybe getting citizens more engaged i know yes. that there was one more topic that you wanted to cover mm -hmm. today but maybe we can have you back another time yep, you bet uh, on how citizens can be more engaged and yes. things that you're working on to help them do that. Okay, sounds good. All Thanks. right, thanks so much for having me here today. All right, folks, we'll be with you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.